Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Angela Calandria, and she is founder of Urban Canico. And we're going to talk to her about her experience as a founder, as a business owner, as an owner of multiple businesses, as an entrepreneur. We're going to learn a little bit about how she got into cannabis, about how cannabis helps her, serves her in her life, not only a, a, a business owner and a business leader, but also as a parent. I'm always fascinated by people who are also running businesses and being parents. I've done that. I know the trials and tribulations, so I always love these stories. Uh, so I'm excited for this conversation. I'm excited to learn more. Angela is based in New Jersey, so we're going to talk a little bit about the New Jersey situation and how that's played out in terms of licensing and hear a little bit about how it's impacting folks that want to start cannabis businesses and get involved in the cannabis industry. I think there's some really good insight there, some interesting conversation. So with that, Angela, welcome to the program. Hey, hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am well, and thank you for being on. So let's start with a little bit of the backstory. I always love hearing the stories about how people kind of got into cannabis, both personally and then professionally. And then we can talk a little bit about the business side and the businesses that you're involved in now and then how cannabis is fitting into that. 
But yeah, let's go back to the the story. Tell me a little bit about the background and, and how cannabis played into things. Cannabis user, so to speak. You know, when I was 18, I thought I was kind of just smoking pot to relax. And it was something that made me happy and go with the flow of life. I kind of came from a little bit of a rough background. So I ran away from home when I was 18. Come to find out years later, I was actually self-medicating. So yeah. learning about how cannabis was a medical part of my life and to see the change and to stop taking pharmaceutical pills and only be using cannabis, I think really inspired me to see what there was beyond, you know, just smoking it, that it was yeah. actually yeah. so much more. My favorite thing to say is people have always been like, oh my God, Angie, you're just so happy. And <laughs> when you really know my backstories and the chapters that came before, you'd be like, oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, I ran away from home. I had a really tough life. My mom, we had yeah. some serious physical emotional things mm. going on. So yeah. cannabis has just inspired me to want to be a better human. Yeah. And two years ago, I became a medical patient. Okay. In Jersey, this is this was uh, as a Jersey resident, New Jersey resident. As a Jersey resident. Yeah. yeah. I lived in Florida for about seven years and then I came home. Okay. So I've been home for about 10 years now. Mm -hmm. New Jersey's program is about 10 years old. Yep. But I've only been a patient in the program for the last two years. Tell me a little bit about that. What was that experience like? I mean, in terms of being a user and wanting to get onto the medical program, hard, easy? Was it, you know, give us some sense. In New Jersey, the list of qualifying conditions, you know, PTSD, anxiety, and migraines mm -hmm. was something that was recently added okay. due to a family that advocated because of the loss of their son, an amazing organization, Be Like Jake. So, Several more conditions were added, so more patients actually had access to the program. Got it. But lack of people being able to have access to like what doctors could write them a recommendation or does their doctor know enough to write them a recommendation? Mm. Are they replacing medicines with cannabis? Unfortunately, that's still something that's growing and changing and there are amazing advocates out there pressing for that. Yeah. Me being a previous cannabis user, I think helped a lot yeah. because I knew that I wanted, I knew it made me feel good, but black market, unfortunately, to call it that, let's say. Yep. There are some people that are home growing their plants that don't know what they're doing, yeah. that don't know the science behind it. And unfortunately, it's great to have Joe and Fred and Bob up the street, but they don't always know what they have or where it's coming from. Yeah. You know, certain strains help with different conditions. On certain days, I need different strains to help me wake up, to yeah. get through the pain, to break through those mental pressures and battles. Yeah. So for me, it was important to have an array of those strains available in my home coming from, you know, where it's being regulated and yeah. tested. And I know that it's clean cannabis, you know, and especially as a mom at home with kids, using yeah. clean medicine was super important at the top of my list. Yeah. No, so it was really about making sure you had quality product that you knew what was in it. That was, you could kind of dial in the product that you were getting based on the, the effect that you wanted, you know, and the, and the medical program provided that for you. Absolutely. So you got in the medical program, sounds like about two years ago. Walk us through then the, the journey from there, how, how you kind of evolved your, your relationship to cannabis and, and the business side. So I own and operate a pizzeria, a local pizzeria with my husband. We've been doing that for the last 10 years. It's been in his family for the last 25. Yeah. And when I was at the dispensary one day making a purchase, a gentleman came in on a stretcher to get his medicine. Oh my gosh. And to me, that was wild. That yeah. now tax dollars paid 
for this guy to be in no condition to even take the ride to have to get his medicine and what he had to go through for trying to make a healthy choice. But if he wanted to pay $5, his insurance would cover a bottle of 200 Oxycontin and he could take those pills not probably causing himself long-term effects of feeling better, but a medium immediate pain relief, but yeah. that was only causing him a list of more harm. Yeah. So that kind of, and uh, I had made a joke. It was started as a joke that we didn't deliver pizza, but we could deliver pot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our oh, pizza doesn't actually deliver. Yeah. But I said, you know, we could deliver pot, you know, it's moving a different product. Yeah. So I kind of put a business plan together and I really got super passionate about it, doing more research and development on how the community worked, how other states and their programs, whether it was medical or recreational, were putting things together to give people protected access to the plant, you know, making sure that it was safe and regulated. Mm-hmm. And it just really inspired me to want to do it all. Yeah. Like people that I were talking to, elderly people were so interested in the fact that they could use cannabis to change their life and maybe not even smoke it, that they could use yeah. a pain cream or an oil underneath yeah. their tongue, you know, all of these different ways to consume, but they had no way to access the education on how they could do that. Mm. And a lot of doctors really, unless you're looking for it, aren't in the market to teach you that. Yeah. Give me, I mean, give me your sense of, you know, in terms of the, the, the medical side of it, because I'm always curious about this, that, you know, the state passes these laws that allow, you know, medical programs. But then my impression, there's a very little real development of the actual medical community to be able to, you know, properly use the product, you know, you know, help advise the process in terms of, you know, giving your conditions and the impact that you want to have, how to, you know, what types of cannabis products, what modalities, you know, uh, uses and stuff. I mean, what's, what's your kind of take at this point, having been part of the medical program about the actual medical side of it in terms of where we are in terms of education, in terms of knowledge, in terms of, you know, being, you know, helping patients actually find the right products? What's, what's your assessment? I think that cannabis advocacy is louder now more than ever. Mm -hmm. And thanks to those advocates, whether it be at a state or national or local level, more people are hearing it, are listening, and programs now are being developed so that medical professionals can actually get further education. They can get continued education on this side of, you know, pain relief or chemotherapy patients or, you know, whichever part of the symptoms that they may be treating cannabis treats many, many, many different conditions. And I think now because people really want that, there are being programs that are being developed, but it's new and it's something that is just starting. So we're still very much in a a newbie phase Mm -hmm. that there is lack of education and knowing your source and making sure that you're following the right type of pages or, you know, people who are truly educated, you know, going to a doctor that cares about your health and isn't just about taking your money because unfortunately that's happening too. So you need to have um, a good judge of character, I'd like to say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people at an advocate level, like myself, other patients, brands of companies that have products that really want to benefit a consumer's life, whether it's in a medical aspect or a recreational aspect, them putting themselves out there and having boots on the ground to speak to people and go to these cannabis events and seminars. I was just in Vegas for MJ BizCon. You know, those people kind of coming together to be like, you know, people need to know about this. 
we should have an event about that. Yeah. Let's get together and do this. I think now those spider webs are growing and the access is definitely, those doors are starting to open, but we're still very, very much in the beginning. Yeah. At least on our coast out here in Jersey. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I'm curious about your kind of take on MJ Biz and, and what you're noticing as being, uh, you know, I guess different or unique about New Jersey East Coast relative to some of the other, you know, states that have had programs for a while and, uh, you know, both medical and adult use. Like what we're... What do you notice as being kind of the same or different or it's, I'm just curious where you're seeing the, the contrast in terms of the markets, you know, either in terms of the demand side, you know, patients, how are, how are, how is the market developing on the patient side? And then from the industry side, how are things playing out differently in terms of how the actual underlying state cannabis industry is the same or different from these other states? Well, I think because West Coast, some of these states rolled out programs and allowed the sales of cannabis that were unregulated and are now trying to go back and regulate these markets that have already been operating for a substantial amount of time. New mm-hmm. Jersey's trying to regulate everything down to the last stem mm-hmm. right out of the gate to do yeah. it the right way. I think some people don't see it that way. And, you know, depending on the sensitivity of your case, if you are a medical patient, there are cases that need sensitive and better access right now. And that can't wait. And unfortunately, it's sad that cases like that hung up a little bit in legislation. Yeah, I did feel this is my second time going out to an MJ Biz conference mm-hmm. and the East Coast like presence of brands, companies, patients, industry professionals was so loud. Really? Yeah. It was kind of nice to be amongst uh, friends and peers that were out there. I didn't feel like, "Mm, no, this is definitely an all West Coast crowd. So I think that coming for, you know, 2020 and moving forward, you know, East Coast, Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, especially with that Boston market, everything is booming. It's the next three years are going to be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What's your take? I mean, I I don't know how much you keep up on the kind of the policy development and legislation development. But, you know, we've, we've got both New York and New Jersey, you know, have played with, with adult use legalization for a while. Do you think it's going to happen? What's your what's your take at this point? I mean, I feel like it's almost like a race yeah. because if New Jersey doesn't legalize for New York or vice versa, people from each state are going to go across the bridge or through the tunnel to get and purchase what they need and bring it back. Whether, you know, that's legal or not, that's something that's really going to happen. Oh, yeah. So it would be smarter and better for the economy for Jersey to most definitely do it first. Get, get ahead of the game. I think that up till recently, New Jersey has been very almost split in half, like a 49-51 kind of a deal mm-hmm. as far as adult use. So I think now more than ever, those people that really want to have it need to be out there advocating, going to town meetings, talking to your friends and neighbors about it. Because when people go to those ballots, it's really going to make the difference. So the seeds that are being planted now are really going to make New Jersey grow or not. Yeah, yeah, you know, so the advocacy is the most important thing now. And if the right people are delivering that message, I definitely think that it'll happen. New Jersey wants it. They, you know, they want the money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's <laughs> definitely there's there's a financial incentive, revenue incentive. Oh, my goodness. So. Yeah, I live I live in Fort Lee right now, looking onto the George Washington Bridge. So, <laughs> like I, I can imagine if, if if Jersey goes first, that this is going to be a hotbed for uh, cannabis uh, use by by Manhattanites. But um, yeah, it's, it does create an interesting play between between New York and New Jersey about who's who's going to legalize first. In terms of uh, the business side, I mean, tell us about Urban Canico. What your kind of what are the ambitions? What's the plan? How has that played out for you? What are the what are the things that have been a challenge? What are the things that have been easier than you thought? I was always 
curious about the cannabis business, how how people develop it, and then how it plays out. So initially, you know, part of the application process is having towns and city officials that will allow you to operate. Uh-huh. And, you know, you have to have a piece of paper that, or an addendum that says that these towns will work with you. So explaining and advocating at the level why cannabis will benefit the town, whether it's for the people that are going to be using it or for the economy of the town, for the people that don't. That has been an interesting conversation that I was quite scared of in the beginning. And now I, I love to have it. I'll have it with anybody. Yeah. It's all about the delivery of the conversation is something that I've learned. How so? I believe that cannabis is, it's like everywhere hiding in plain sight. Everybody knows somebody that uses cannabis, whether it's medically or recreationally. And sometimes people just need to kind of step out of the box step out of their own life to yeah. open their minds, to open their hearts and be like, you know, what if that, what if that was me? Or what if that was my grandma? Or what if that was my kid? Yeah, interesting. So breaking it down that way has been what I thought would have been a challenge has been fantastic. Trying to keep up with the legislation as far as, as regulation and dealing with people that don't know a lot about cannabis, mm. writing the law is a huge struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that there is a lot of control at a legislative level of people who know nothing about the plan and what it's capable of and all the different properties. Because it's like an onion. There's so many layers. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like, what do you find that they typically sort of legislatures or, or, you know, people that are involved in kind of writing the laws or figuring out how the programs are going to work? What are the things that are typically a challenge for them to understand, you know, either about the plan, about its use, about the nature of the market, you know, consumers? Where do things typically either go awry or, or become a problem for folks? I think it's still very much that stigma yeah. is at the top of the umbrella that it's Cheech and Chong and it's just people getting high when yeah. actually it's creating jobs, it's changing lives, it's bringing families together. It's a whole nother chapter of that opioid addiction that we have going on. Yeah. You know, if people really have an addictive personality and need to use something to get off of harder drugs that they're using, mm -hmm. they can't physically consume the amount of pot that would kill them. Yeah. So I think there are so many more conversations about about the stigma of the plant and the benefits of it that people are just so hung up on old times and that bag that's been pulled over their head. Yeah. The stigma is everything. And until that eggshell can really be broken, the finance is in black and white. They can see that these other communities and yeah. states that have passed these laws are making millions of dollars. It's yeah. quite, you know, frank to see. I like, uh, I think Boston, I think the Massachusetts program, I think the last report is they made 420 million. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> like, could you imagine? Like, crazy. Yeah. And this is in, you know, in one year's time. Yeah. Yeah. Give, no, you know, and th that's solving all of our economic issues yeah. and saving for ones to come. Yeah. Well, and it's pulling. I mean, uh, I, you know, I, I guess I always look at that is that that economy is happening one way or another. It's whether it's going to be black market or whether you're going to pull oh, it into sure. a legitimate market and actually tax it and make money on it. So, And that's uh, why I like to say, like, cannabis is hiding everywhere in plain sight. Yeah. So we might as well, as a community, come together and people be like, OK, you know what? Listen, I'm not for it and it's not for me, but it's going to create jobs. It's going to donate money to schools, donate money to the holes in the road. New Jersey is a big hole in the road. Yeah. You know, there are just so many different things. And um, I really hope that, like I said, from now until the people go to vote, the right people are planting the right seeds and, you know, having those conversations in the right kind of way so that when it comes to November, people are going to stand there and be like, you know what? This could really make a difference. Yeah. Even if, if it's not directly in my own life, 
in the in my everyday life around me. Yeah, to my community and and, and other people that I love that you know can benefit from this. And we, we're better off with a well structured, well regulated, you know, safe market than than uh, having this black market. Interesting. Of course. So tell us like what you've been able to achieve to date in terms of getting the business uh, kind of prepped and ready, and what are you kind of waiting for? How do you see this playing out? You know, uh, in in the in the coming months, quarters, as as hopefully legalization becomes more more imminent and and real and then how do you how do you actually make this happen how do you turn this into a, a real successful business well delivery now in New Jersey is seen as an ancillary company okay. and right now New Jersey is only allowing for vertically integrated companies to apply okay. however in the new bill that did come out past July the 820 to be like Jake bill mm-hmm. I did break it down that other retail stores dispensaries and ancillary companies could apply to be operating businesses in New Jersey. Okay. But those companies are still awaiting regulations. And until those regulations are available and the Cannabis Regulatory Commission in New Jersey has been formed, we're kind of in limbo just Got waiting. Got it. So what I've been doing to try to prepare myself and be a leg up is going based off the application process for a fully integrated dispensary and, you know, making those relationships with Got communities, it. you know, security software brands that I want to work with that are, you know, patient friendly, you know, doing all the groundwork and foundation so that when New Jersey says, well, you can have this much cannabis or you can have this many facilities or, you know, however they're say, I have to do it by the book. I'll have my plan A, B and C. Interesting. So you're sort of putting all the different pieces in place that might be useful given various possible configurations, (laughs) you know, and then once the game markets, exactly. Yeah. And then and once the rules of the game are actually laid out and finalized, then you can figure out which chess pieces you're going to move and, and execute on the business. That's smart. So, you know, until then, I'm, you know, building the business. I'm going to these conventions and these seminars. I'm meeting people. I'm helping to provide education and access through events within the local cannabis community of patients and industry professionals around me, you know, so that people know that there is a cannabis community. There is a safe place to come and talk and discuss how cannabis can change your life the different ways that you can use and consume it. Mm-hmm. A good way and safe way to talk to your children about cannabis, especially me being a parent. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Talk to me about that. How old, how old are your kids again? I have two boys. My son actually just turned three yesterday mm-hmm. and I have a nine month old son. Yeah. So you're, you're young. Yeah. I have, I have older kids and it's always, uh, it's funny. We've had various conversations and actually my, my older son does my YouTube work. <laughs> so he's, he's taking See? the episodes from these and, and helping me, you know, he's part of the podcast. Family business. Yeah, it is. And it's fascinating. It's, you know, I mean, I guess it's, we have this, they're just in interesting times because at some level they're still exposed to some of the kind of the media and the content and the, you know, the kind of stigmatized cannabis use. But they're also, you know, at this point, you know, it's been around and they, they kind of get it. They see sort of the different facets of it. So, I mean, it's in common culture, but they're they're picking out various parts. And we have all sorts of conversations about it. And it's, uh, I'm just always fascinated by parents who are in the cannabis space, how they talk about cannabis to their kids. And, and you know, to what extent? Is it a big deal? Is it not a big deal? You know, it's always kind of a, you know, how does it fit into all the other things you need to talk to your children about? But I'm always kind of curious on people's approaches and strategy and, and how they do that. Well, you know, I also think with how the world is changing with cannabis, Cannabis and how old your children are now in the world. Each set of parents are having different kinds of conversations with their kids. Yeah. Like my kids are so little now. My husband and I are both medical marijuana patients. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we shop at the dispensary. And if I were to put my blue jar on the counter, 
you know, my three-year-old son knows that's mommy's medicine, just yeah. as if I were to take out a Tylenol jar. Yeah. And that's important. And that's how, you know, we're going to grow up in our house. And my kids will, you know, know the blue jars or the, you know, the clear jars with the black tops. It's not going to be those orange pill bottles that'll yeah. a norm in our home. Mm-hmm. And as they get older and, you know, we get into the D.A.R.E. program and understanding that medical marijuana and, you know, somebody using recreational cannabis, especially children at a young age, there is a difference. Mm-hmm. And it is important for, you know, kids to understand that, that at a young age, their cognitive development and they need to grow and, you know, be their personal best. So, mm-hmm. no, a 12 year old shouldn't be smoking pot to get high yep. unless they have some medical symptoms that they really need to treat. Yeah. And then there's ways for them to take cannabis in a way that it can bypass their liver and they're not even getting high and they're still getting the benefits from the plant. Yeah. Yeah. So it's there's very different kinds of and layered conversations that we need to be having with our kids. But that, oh, no, you know, it's hot. You, yeah. know, you can't see it or smell it. That has to stop. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It just it just perpetuates the stigma. Um, yeah, because how many people are drinking wine in front of their yeah, kids? Exactly. Like, it's a total norm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm curious about the community side. I mean, I know that you're active in the community and, you know, here in the, you know, New Jersey, New York, kind of tri-state area. What, what have you seen that has been really helpful in terms of community organization? What groups have been, uh, you know, supportive? Where do you think we still need to build more community? Are there particular parts of the population that are, are, are better served and not not as well served in terms of, you know, community around cannabis culture, cannabis use, cannabis industry? Uh, what have you noticed, I guess, in your interaction with the, the people in the area here? I think that the cannabis community of brands, of people that are creating jobs and, you know, building companies that want to get in the game, whether they're edible companies or they're having events, there are people that create products that you can use to consume cannabis, drinks. That community is growing and the creativity and the innovation is there. I think that the advocacy from some of these companies, because of the stigma, they're kind of afraid to come forward and advocate at maybe like a community level to speak to state officials and things like that. But I think those companies really need to stand behind their brand and be like, this is, you know, this is what I do. This is what I stand behind. I can create a product that can change somebody's life and I can create jobs. I can pay taxes that can contribute to the community. You know, look at me. Here I am. I want to see personally more of that. I know that over the last year, a lot of the community and people that I work with I'm seeing more of that and it makes me so proud of my peers. Mm-hmm. So when I first got into this particular industry, a woman truly inspired me and took me under her wing and gave me the power to believe that I could do it too. Yeah. So I can only hope that seeing me do it inspires others because yeah, those voices are the ones that really need to be heard at the legislative level. Like I'm there, I'm going to create a company that's going to change things. And mm-hmm. that's important. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I think out of all the industries that I've kind of worked in and, and coached companies within, I mean, the cannabis one is not only fascinating from a market dynamic and a market development, but just the the, the connection and integration with the community and, and social issues. And, you know, it just has such an impact and such a, a sort of a power, powerful social presence that uh, it just makes it interesting from a, from a business side as well. Absolutely. And for the, those different communities within the community to come together. For me, the people that I've met that I get to work with that have taught me things about, you know, the cannabis community and social injustices of the program and, you know, the history of the plant over the years. It's really incredible. And I, you know, I joke and I say all the time when we were going to NJ BizCon and we were on the flight to Vegas, 
I'd say probably 30 to 40% of the plane were made up of people that were going to the convention. (laughs) And these people were flying together, having the time of their life. I was sat in between two gentlemen and we were talking about the industry. We were talking about cannabis. We were talking about family, kids. You could never go to another convention and turn to your left and just have an open conversation with somebody and continue to do that for the length of your three hour, you know, four hour flight. You know what I mean? That's empowering stuff right there. Yeah, that's lifting somebody up. That's changing the world. Because when everybody got off that plane and got to Vegas, we were ready to do what we had to do. And that to me is an amazing feeling. And I feel like that every day when I wake up and I work in cannabis. Yeah. Oh. And, and so what, what advice or insight would you give to someone who's either thinking about getting into the space or, or maybe has a company that you know is not in cannabis, but could be, they could pivot into cannabis. What thoughts would you give them in terms of you know th- things to think about, things to watch out for, things to take advantage of uh, to be successful in the business? There's definitely something for everybody, no matter what you do. Marketing, development, banking, security, yeah. art, events. There's you know, every layer of the cannabis community, just like in every layer of life, there's a job for everyone. And, you know, I know it sounds corny, but if you really want to like wake up and love your life and be part of something that makes you feel good, I can't say that I've met a cannabis brand or company that has something bad to say about what they're doing in that community feel yet. And, you know, with no risk comes no reward. If you really, you know, want to have something and believe in it, you have to be, you have to stand behind yourself in cannabis because you hit a lot of brick walls and you're going to hear a million no's sometimes before you get a yes. But we are upon that world and that world is coming. So if you believe in yourself and you believe in the cannabis community, then don't take no for an answer. Yeah. And I I applaud you for doing it early. I know um, it's actually getting quite better in many respects. So I think starting it now is a bit easier. I know, you know, people that, that were involved in this, you know, over subsequent years and it was so much harder. (laughs) They definitely paved the way and made it much easier for people like me, you know, even still running into those eras and things that are happening now. It's way easier than things that they've gone through and hopefully we'll continue to grow and build and we'll get to a time where people can just easily apply to open and operate and have a cannabis business and children will be proper yeah angela this has been a pleasure Uh, if people want to find out more about you about urban canico what's the best way to get that information so you can go to my website urbancanico.com And there's blog information on there about my advocacy, some cannabis education and access in New Jersey. I'm actually going to be selling some items on there, products that I stand behind that as a patient I like to use that make my life easier as a mom when I'm consuming cannabis. You can also follow me on Instagram, Urban Live for some fun cannabis education as well. Well, I'll make sure that the links and uh, handles are on the show notes so people can click through and and get those. Uh, Actually, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Great conversation, great stories. I really appreciate you coming on and and talking. It's been been a lot of fun. Yeah, Bruce, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure getting to chat with you and I hope to talk to you again in the near future. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.